G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. And we're going to talk about Christians in the workplace and what's happening in the future of our work. You know, technology has been changing so rapidly. Many of our workplaces look very different to what they did just a few years ago. The digital world allows us to work from home. You might be working from home even as you're listening to our conversation today. COVID threw a spanner in the works of traditional workplaces and since then we've been introduced to a variety of new ideas. You might have heard the terminology quiet quitting or hybrid work. And then there's a push for a four-day working week. So what does that mean as a Christian believer in the workplace? How do these changes affect our faith and how it functions at work? How do we interact and love the people we work with? And what does it mean for being salt and light and bringing the presence of Jesus into the ever-changing landscape of work? Well, our special guest through this coming hour, Andrew Laird, works with City Bible Forum in Melbourne. He's national manager of lifeatwork.org.au. It's an initiative aimed at connecting Christian faith with our daily work. He's also the former dean of the Marketplace Institute at Ridley College. and He's also the author of the book called Under Pressure, How the Gospel Helps Us Handle the Pressures of Daily Work. And so a special welcome back to 2020 to you, Andrew Laird. Oh, thanks for having me, Neil. It's always wonderful to speak with you and your listeners. Andrew, let's start talking about the future of work. Uh, we've got high inflation. Uh, we've got mortgage rates. Uh, hitting high levels, putting people under pressure. Uh, The good thing at the moment is that it seems to be that we've got low unemployment, so there are jobs out there. Uh, Some people might be thinking, I don't know if I'll worry too much about this at all, just let it all happen. What are your thoughts for what might be coming this year and the future of our work? Mm, That's a great question, Neil. Look, I think perhaps more than Many other times, really, in uh, in the lives of most of those who be listening today, uh, the workplace and daily work is going through a kind of change or transformation or uncertainty, uh, unlike we've experienced uh, before. And these sort of things were already happening before the pandemic hit, but uh, COVID very much shook things up, perhaps in a way that we haven't seen in our lifetime for most of us. At least that's what many of the experts say, the kind of churn that we're going through at the moment in terms of how we work, where we work, what we do, uh, how long we work for. And then, of course, those other factors that you mentioned just there as well, too, the economy and uh, interest rate rises. What will that mean for uh, the work that I do, whether I need to find more work? And so I think that we're in a season of, of a great deal of uncertainty uh, and, and, and perhaps many of our listeners might be feeling that at the moment too. How do you think we have changed over these past few years? Uh, if you've survived COVID 
And if your workplace is still intact, and maybe there's all sorts of different arrangements these days, how do you reflect on the way that's changed our attitudes to what we do at work? Yeah, well, you mentioned there in your introduction, Neil, the the conversations that have been happening the last uh, year or so around uh, quiet quitting, you know, the great resignation. Um, and certainly one of the big conversations at the moment where I frequently see uh, articles or opinion pieces on is whether we should w- do a four-day work week. And I think there's there's a reason why all of these conversations have come to the fore in the last 12 months and are continuing now in that... I think even before the pandemic hit, many of us felt that there were aspects of work that were broken, that uh, the way that we were having to work, the demands and the pressures that it placed upon us were were really unrealistic. And what happened with COVID is it really shook everything up. Uh, It almost gave us a a blank slate overnight to to start from scratch. And and people got the opportunity, uh, not in all workplaces, of course, but in many instances, got the opportunity to work differently. And that began these flurry of conversations we're having now about, well, is there a better way of working than the grind that we knew before the pandemic? So when you say aspects of work broken, now that's actually a pretty significant word to use broken because then we say well we better get back to what was the right way of doing it and maybe there was no right way of doing it maybe it's just a transaction that happens between an employer and an employee and how you've negotiated that to happen to see what is the right way to be at work Uh, now uh, get your insight here because you know is there uh, you know some will be reflecting on the good old days uh, when people turned Mm. up for work and they gave a fair day's work for a fair day's pay and that's the way it should be give us your insights here into broken and what might be an ideal yeah, look, absolutely. Well, there's, there's a sense, Neil, in which, you know, there might have been some glory days of work, but the reality is, if you're thinking about it from a Christian perspective, is that work's been broken right back since the fall. Um, it was there before the fall. It was a good gift that God gave us. But one of the key uh, punishments that comes uh, when humanity sins right back there in Genesis 3 is an impact upon work, that no longer will it be Uh, always fruitful, always abundant, always satisfying, but now we will work by the the sweat of our brow, as Genesis 3 talks about. And what I think has been happening in the last few years is that uh, people have been putting enormous expectations and weight upon the potential for work to satisfy them and fulfil them. Uh, There's been lots of talk about uh, how I can find meaning and satisfaction and purpose in life through my work. And yet, at the same time as that, there's been aspects of it that we've recognised are broken. The demands, the pressures, the daily commutes, um, feeling like time is wasted in the office sometimes or wasted wherever it is that we work, the, the, the challenges that we might have with colleagues or just simply the failure of work to live up to those grand hopes that we that we might have had for it. So I think every season of work throughout history has had its burdens and its, its challenges. And, and COVID has uh, shaken all that up and is making us reflect afresh upon, well, what is the place of work? Have we been putting it in too high a place perhaps in our lives? Um, where does it sit and how do we go about doing it 
in a way that is more fulfilling and more satisfying. And this is where I think the Christian person who has that biblical understanding of of work and God's purpose for it can really have a, a significant contribution to make to that conversation. So when we're talking hybrid workplaces and, uh, you know, for listeners uh, where you get to maybe work from home two or three days a week, uh, you're in the office for a couple of days a week or you've got some tech firms that, you know, everyone's working at home five days a week. And this is the change, isn't it? And how our work ethic might fit into the new arrangements. Uh, Are some people gifted more towards a hybrid work Uh, situation or uh, are there others who perhaps will exploit that you know this is the challenge isn't it for employers what are your thoughts around the change that's coming with the work from home hybrid work model yeah look Anil I think if there's ever an opportunity for humanity to exploit things to their own advantage then then they will Um, but I think that would have been the case whether we were in the office all the time or in a workplace all the time or whether we're doing hybrid work it just it's a, just a different way of perhaps exploiting things for our own advantage now so that's a, obviously a very real challenge and for the christian person who's seeking to honor their boss knowing that ultimately they work for the lord they're wanting to be mindful of that and and be uh, a person of integrity and trustworthiness but neil uh, to to think about it a bit more broadly um, I've been reading a number of books over the last uh, six months or so on this whole topic of uh of work and hybrid work and how it's changing and one author in particular author has a very helpful framework for dividing up the workplace today she she talks about three types of workers the learner the lever and the leader the learner is the person who's kind of new coming into their working life their career Uh, the lever is not necessarily those just on the cusp of retirement, but those who have established themselves in their career and moving kind of towards uh, the, the the finishing goal of it. And then, of course, the leader who's there to direct the learners and the levers. And the point that she makes is that where you're at, uh, you're going to need and want very different things in terms of, for example, hybrid work. So the learner very much will want to be in the office for the for the social interaction and to learn by seeing what other people are doing. The lever, which I guess in my mid-career, I'd put myself more in in that situation. I'm loving the flexibility of of hybrid work, largely because of how that helps with with family life and, and children and all of the different responsibilities there. And so there's a real, I think, there's a tension here um, between those who really want to be back there in the workplace and it's advantageous for them too and for others who want to pull back a bit from it and do the hybrid work which I think means there's great challenge but also great opportunity for all those people and for the particularly I want to think about the Christian leader how do they love their employees depending on the stage of career they're in. I love your thoughts about advantages because sometimes, you know, you can look for all the negatives, but you've just highlighted some significant advantages to the hybrid model. And that is, uh, while you, if you are the sort of person who can be productive for your employer, uh, you can also have this influence on your own family life that was perhaps missing before when you had to be away from the family. Uh, you know, sometimes if you're, you know, if you were the travelling salesman, maybe for extended times. Uh, so there are advantages in the change, and so 
it wouldn't be a right thing perhaps to get locked into a negative about change, but actually say, how do we embrace the future? Is that the way you think of looking at the future of work? Yeah, look, absolutely, Neil. I think change is always um, challenging for us. Even even those who love change, change is always a hard hard thing for us to go through as people. Um, some find it more difficult than, than others. And so I think we've got to be aware that we are in this time of quite tremendous change, at least in terms of work, and being aware of that for ourselves, but also being aware of that for others. And there are some who are just pining for going back to the way things were before. But I think, um, to use the expression, the genie is out of the bottle. And uh, the last few years have shifted differently. And so it's looking at, well, what are the what are the benefits? What are the positives? What are the advantages um, of of working differently that um, that COVID has exposed to us? Um, but particularly for the Christian person, not just how can I uh, make this work best for myself, but how can I make this work well for for others? Or if I'm in a leadership position, how can I make it work well for my employees? This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision Christian Radio. Our talkback line is open 1-800-316-316. Your thoughts on the future of work, your own experience, what you're seeing, how you might apply your own Christian faith aspects to things that are coming. Our special guest with us this hour is Andrew Laird. Andrew works with City Bible Forum in Melbourne. He's the national manager of lifeatwork.org.au. And there is a Life at Work conference that's coming up on the 18th of February. Andrew, let me just, you know, I I know you well enough now uh, to be able to throw you some hard ones. So uh, get ready for this one here. You said in our opening segment, uh, these changes that are coming give us an opportunity to exploit things for our advantage. And there might be some wisdom in that, because if you're in a bad situation, you've got to make that better. But this, of course, uh, puts us at loggerheads with the employer who is, let me say controversially here, exploiting us for their advantage. So the way we think as Christians about our workplace, give us your insights here into the tension that's there and the sort of thought you might have about looking for a better deal in our workplace. Any thoughts here? Yeah, Neil, look, there's no question that work can be uh, have some of the greatest moments of joy for us in life we can celebrate wins but it can also be uh, for many people um, on any given day one of the most challenging and difficult uh, parts of their life as well too uh, whether it's the lack of work or as you talk about up there um, being in, in a situation where very much you feel uh, abused and exploited uh, by your employer uh, I would just say in that case that um, we we fortunately live in a country where there is avenues of, of, of addressing that and dealing with that to varying degrees. Uh, not all industries, perhaps. Um, there, are, there are avenues for for uh, seeking recompense or um, or um, pe- seeing people called to account if they're if they're operating such a way as that. Um, but but that's one I think one of the gifts of God that we have when it comes to work that we do have. Um, pl- uh, things in place where we can, um, if 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 the culture is so toxic as that, to be able to uh, either raise it 
through formal channels, either internally or externally. Um, and also, and I appreciate this, you know, it's not necessarily the case for everyone, but there are also opportunities to leave and, and go go elsewhere. And so not for a minute would I want to suggest that anyone should stay in a in a, in a relationship, really, with their employer that is um, destructive and harmful and exploitative. Um, having said that, though, uh, the, the primary motivation for the Christian person for all of life is to be love, a person of love, loving God and loving neighbor. That's what Jesus says. And so I'm always wanting to think about, well, what does it mean to love uh, God and love my colleagues uh, in the work situation that I'm in, knowing that because of the fall, there are always going to be things that they don't like about me and I don't like about them, or I don't like about the, the just the job itself. And so I think we've got to be prepared for um, that reality of work, but at the same time seeking to navigate it in such a way, well, how can I do the most loving, if you like, of those that I work with? And it may, it may be alleviating some of the tension and troubles and difficulties that they face? Or how can I be the most loving employee and actually make things easier for my boss rather than harder for them? Or vice versa, if I'm in a position of leadership, how do I love my employees and put their interests before my own? So I think I think love it has all sorts of implications, um, particularly for the future of work as we're uncertain as to what it might hold. Love will set us in good stead, I think, in terms of if that's the way we seek to go into it. I think you're touching on some really important points here. The thought that if you are a Christian believer and uh, you're in the exploiting uh, workplace, uh, you're seeing that as a toxic workplace. Uh, No one you're working with is happy with what's going on. They can all feel their own exploitation in all of that. And here we say... What is it to be a Christian in that environment? And some will say, well, isn't it your, you know, your first responsibility just to get out of that toxicity and get into something that you like? But is there a sense here, Andrew, if you're in the toxic workplace, may it be even the possibility that you're planted there by God to be salt and light? Thoughts here? Oh, look, absolutely, Neil. I I think um, the New Testament in particular gives us a a number of ways of of approaching work or approaching our relationship with the world. And and often it would say that leaving is the last resort um, because we're called to be uh, salt and light in the world, not apart from it. Um, And and look, if we leave one place, because it's not working out brilliantly for us, the reality is there's going to be challenges the next place as well too. Now, I just want to reaffirm what I said a moment ago, that if we are in such an abusive and toxic and destructive workplace that we shouldn't feel uh, an obligation that we must we must stay in that. But you're right. God very often has called us into the world where there is messiness and part of what he's called upon us might be is to how can I seek to bring some real good out of the challenges of this this workplace that I find myself in and bring my Christian faith and that priority of service and love for others um, to bear upon this. I often think of the words of uh, Mordecai to Esther, where he says, maybe God has put you here uh, in the palace for such a time as this. Um, there may come one, two, three occasions throughout your working life where you realize, hang on a second, God has put me in this place for such a time as this. Uh, to call to account perhaps some aspect of, of darkness 
or injustice or inequality that is being perpetuated by my workplace. And I'm the person God has called to to speak up in this moment. So there's the employee perspective, how you might help your work colleagues stand up and stand strong in amongst a toxic workplace. Let's put the shoe on the other foot here. If you are the business owner or if you are a department leader, manager, and uh, all of a sudden the shoe is on your foot and you're leading what is a toxic workplace. Biblical principles here that might help to bring some sort of uh, alleviation of some of the toxicity. Any thoughts here, Andrew? Yeah, look, Neil, um, and I can speak about this from my own personal experience. Not that I did it, but I had a Christian boss who did this for me. And that this particular boss always put himself in between Uh, his employees and any potential harm that was coming down from higher levels of management, placing himself in the way of harm so that he took the hit, so to speak, so that his employees didn't. And it was a powerful witness. Um, He was a wonderful boss to work for. The employees knew that he was doing this for them. But it was a real demonstration of his Christian faith, in particular, the way in which he... Uh, believed in and followed a God who, if you like, if I can put it this way, took a hit for him, namely uh, on the cross, taking the punishment that he deserved. And so out of the overflow of that, he wanted to be the kind of person who stood in the way of harm, uh, protecting his employees from that. Uh, And so he weathered all sorts of challenges. And um, sadly, in the end, uh, management got rid of him because they they recognised that he was a stumbling block to what they wanted to bulldoze through. Um, But the fact is, for a long time, he was there like a a shelter almost for those who came under him. And and I think that, that that attitude of service and sacrifice and considering the needs of those who I am responsible for, greater than myself, even potentially at personal cost to myself, um, is how this can work itself out in the life of the Christian employee employer. So you've got these biblical principles, and sometimes we actually boil those down to very simplistic ways, uh, and we give them rules of thumb. We say, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. We've got the golden rule, and it was given to us by Jesus, and it's got powerful impact in the workplace. And uh, these sorts of things, you know... Uh, uh, if, if I'm going to consider others more highly than myself and I'm going to be doing that as the boss, as you're saying, taking a hit for the employees who are below you, that's an expression there that's going to win uh, some fans and uh, it's going to actually make your toxic workplace a little bit easier to live in. And Andrew, before we take things a little further and a little deeper, why don't we take a call from a listener? Michelle is in Kempsey in New South Wales. Hello, Michelle. Welcome. Hi. How are you? Thank you very much. How are you? What are your thoughts, Michelle? Hello. Yes, are you there? <laughs> My thoughts. Yeah, so I've just been listening to you. I just randomly turned on the radio and... Um, um, once again, the Lord is speaking to me in many ways, um, so I can hear like what you're what you're saying is totally relevant for what's happening to me at the moment. Um, and it's like not so much in the workplace. However, I will relate it to the workplace because I believe like when you're saying there's um you know people are now working at home and there's not like it's a different type of workplace now. Like I used to work in an organisation 
that it was like I nobody nobody speaks up. People are scared to speak up. People are scared to like um, stick up for people, and because they don't want to lose their jobs. And I think that the the fact that people are working from home now, which has been I feel like it's been, um, it's all the way of like the devil working in a way because I think the people in power are actually given more power in, in a way because they don't have that. They're not able to be challenged in a way that you can challenge people in front of like, you know, the whole of the workplace. And I, I don't know where I, whether I can go back to work in, in a place like I used to work at because it is really, it is, it's very toxic and people are too scared to do anything other than follow the norm, you know, and follow what they're... Michelle, you're making some really important points here, and uh, what I can hear you saying is that fear is a dominating force in the workplace, and sometimes that fear is coming from... The employer, uh, there might be uh, other bullying factors in the, the workplace too, but let's get a thought or two uh, from our guest, uh, Andrew Laird. Uh, your thoughts for Michelle in Kempsey. Yeah, thanks, Neil. I think uh, Michelle describes something that's probably uh, a, a common sentiment for many people, that they feel that kind of fear of, uh, around some of the challenges of, of, of work as well too. And so there's, first of all, a sense in which that's very very normal and, and not surprising, sadly so. And again, this is coming back to because of uh, of the fall and, and work not being as the way God intended it for us to be. Um, uh, there's a number of things, and we, we've talked about being the person who might um, speak up and um, be placed there by God, like Esther, in the palace for such a time as this. Um, but I think we need great wisdom to know whether we're there for that reason or not. And so that's why I think it's so important that we have both prayer and Christian community as we seek to navigate these challenges of um, the work life. Uh, we, God, in his great wisdom, has, has made us part of a body and I really think we should um, lean into, if you like, uh, or call upon that body that we're a part of to help us navigate these these challenging and difficult situations. Sometimes someone who's outside of the situation can can speak afresh into it in, and have eyes to see things in a way that we can't, whether that's them saying, actually, you know what, that's, that's fairly normal. Um, I think you're just going to have to, you know, deal with that. And here's some ways that you can potentially navigate that as a Christian person or someone who might say that is really bad. Um, either you need to speak up and this is the way you might seek to go about that or actually you need to leave. Um, and of course, having that all um, guided by, by prayer and the Holy Spirit uh, is essential. But having our brothers and sisters in Christ helping us navigate the current and potentially future challenges is really important. And Michelle in Kempsey, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. You might like to join into our conversation. Interesting that the way we see things at work, uh, we might be fearful, and some people more fearful than others. Uh, Some in their younger years, uh, less mature as as you mature and you find out uh, what's expected and uh, know what your rights are, then you might be less fearful in the workplace. This tension between employers and employees, sometimes the employees just cannot speak up for themselves and therefore you have trade union representatives who are in the workplace too and protecting workers' rights, uh, pushing for that wage increase that you're too fearful to ask about yourself. Uh, there are uh, is certainly room for uh, all of these mechanical elements of how our workplace can function. Thoughts here around uh, around alleviating fears and having others who can stand up for you? 
thoughts here, Andrew? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, Neil. And and I think again that in God's kindness, you know, we have those resources uh, available to us, and it's not wrong or, or to 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 seek to utilise them uh, if there are injustices that are being perpetrated against uh, ourselves or others that we want to seek to um, uh, appeal to um, those those avenues to to address those in, injustices. I think a point that you just made that's very important is that depending on our stage in Korea, this can be a very challenging thing or it might be an, an easier thing. Um, and related to that, I, I keep on mentioning, you know, the example of, of Esther for such a time as this. I think we need great wisdom to know as to whether it is for such a time as this uh, that God has put us there to address something. I think some people might see Esther moments, if you like, uh, every single day of the week. <laughs> um, but they're probably more fewer and further between than that. And so we need that wisdom um, that comes from the wider Christian community and from the Holy Spirit guiding us to know, um, is this a moment to speak up? Is this a moment to be silent? Um, it's one thing to oh. be militant. It's one thing to be a rebel worker. And, you know, you're probably yes. best to try and get on with the boss. But let's come back to some of these things that we mentioned in the introduction. Uh, quiet quitting, as some mm. say, the great resignation, doing the minimum requirement for one's job and uh, putting in no more time or effort than you really have to. Uh, we touched on hybrid work. I do want to hear your thoughts on a four-day week and the push towards that. Uh, but uh, just touching quickly back onto the attitude that we might have in our workplace, uh, that's going to make us attractive as an employee. It's going to make your potential employees attractive if you are the employer at getting that right attitude. Thoughts here around this thing that seems to have gripped so many people, the quiet quitting attitude. Thoughts here, Andrew? Yeah, look, Neil, as we were saying earlier in the first uh, half an hour, that that love is really to be the guiding uh, motivation and ethic, if you like, for the Christian person when it comes to all of life, not least of all their work life, uh, putting the interests of others before our, ourselves, loving God, loving neighbour. And so that obviously has implications for this whole idea of quiet quitting. And I understand the, the, the rise in prominence of people talking about quiet quitting because it is the case that for, for so many years, people have felt like they have been abused and misused by their employer and people are saying enough is enough. And so I, I appreciate that sentiment. And there is a there is a rightness, if you like, as we've been talking about, uh, of pushing back against where there is an injustice. However, a lot of the commentary around quiet quitting, I think, has a very selfish uh, attitude to it in that I'm just going to do what works for me and what is good for me. And that is, of course, profoundly at odds with uh, the gospel and the, the attitude that the Christian person is to have. And so I think if if the temptation for that quiet quitting is there for us because we feel ourselves being um, uh, abused and uh, used by our employer, the attitude is not, the, the approach is not necessarily the quiet quitting, um, but to be, to be speaking up about it, both for our sake and for the sake of uh, our colleagues. Um, acknowledging that, having conversations with that about it, rather than trying to subvert, you know, the the culture there by just refusing to to pull my weight and inevitably actually making things more difficult for those you work with as well too, uh, which is also unloving for them. 
Andrew, a scripture from Colossians chapter 3, and this one's an important one, I think, when we talk workplace and the way we perform, the way our attitude is shaped. It says, as Paul wrote, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Something there uh, in the sentiments Paul is relaying that says the attitude of the Christian believer is little different to the very secularized, non-godly employee. Any thoughts here around the advantage of having God as your master even above your employer. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's so important for us to remember that, Neil, that uh, even, the, even the best earthly boss is still going to be flawed. Um, and so recognizing that we work ultimately for God, who is the perfect boss, who will reward us perfectly and fairly, um, or even if, if like, unfairly, if you like, giving us what we don't deserve, um, because of because of Christ, I think that can be a powerful motivation in terms of how we work. And you'll notice that Paul says there to to work hard uh, as though working for the Lord, which indeed we are. And so that that challenges the quiet quitting idea of well, I'm just going to you know be lazy and slack and um, unreliable. But for the person who might be have a tendency towards overwork, we need to hear that that's not a call to to burning yourself out because. God equally says you need to rest and step back from work and and trust me to provide. So we are to work well, we're to work with integrity, we're to work hard, using all the gifts that God has given us, stewarding them well, um, but not in such a way that we are so driven and burnt out that we don't also recognize God's uh, provision for us ultimately. Talking about being burned out, uh, I often, uh, I've got some friends who work a nine-day fortnight and now you've got people talking about working a four-day working week and uh, we might all speculate here, how do we as Christians think about a push for a four-day week? Is it based on the thought that I want to do less? Maybe there's a lazy attitude in that. Uh, there might be another attitude in there that might be a good stewardship so far as time with family. But what are your thoughts around a four-day working week, Andrew? Yeah, look, Neil, this is not one where it's black and white, it's right or wrong, um, but it's a, it's, a, it's a wisdom thing. And again, coming back to what we were saying earlier, that, um, that these kind of things are being discussed now because COVID has shook everything up. And so we're asking those questions about the nature of work and how long we might need to work for. And what many people have realised um, is that sometimes if we have portions of time at home, we can be far more productive. Um, we can work at the hours and the times of the day that, that work best for us if we're in a job that allows for that. And increasingly, I think many employers are recognising that uh, certainly in the area of knowledge work, um, that's the kind of work that's not very well measured in terms of um, hours on the job, but rather the the outcomes. And, and so I might have a task to do that's going to take me 12 hours, or I might have a task that's going to take me two hours. Uh, really, the, the, the output is the priority, not necessarily the clocking on and clocking off for a certain number of hours of the week. Hence the conversation about, well, whether a four-day week might actually make us more productive. Um, might make for better rhythms, better quality of life for people, um, 
the nature of the tasks that we've got to do can be done uh, in that portion of time. And so I think it's good that we're having these conversations. There isn't a one-size-fits-all, and so we need wisdom for it. And I think the Christian person who might be in those workplaces that are having these conversations about do we work five days or four days or six days or whatever the case may be, Uh, do we work all the time at home or all the time in the office, again, loves the guiding principle for them here and seeking not what's best for themselves, but what works well for 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 others, and not, not even just their immediate colleagues, but also in terms of the, the good that their work is seeking to do in the world. And they're making those decisions of how, where, and when we work uh, based on that. You've got your Life at Work conference coming up Saturday, 18th of February. Uh, the title, The Future of Work, how to love your colleagues and share Jesus in an ever-changing landscape. If we're looking for ways that you can, you know, a rule of thumb here, uh, something to take away from a conversation like this, uh, how do you bring us to a point where we say, well, this is the way we have to change in order to navigate forward in our workplaces? How do you describe that uh, and I, no doubt people will want lots of detail and they'll want to be part of your Life at Work conference. But how do we sort of simplify some things and as a takeaway for today's conversation, Andrew? Yeah. Well, look, I don't want to sound like a broken record, Neil, but, but really in many ways it's um, considering the needs of others before myself. And so that relates to both how I love my colleagues. And so a practical example in terms of we've been talking about the place that we work, hybrid work, home or the office, it may mean that in instances we will... Uh, do what is uh, best for the person that I work with rather than myself in terms of the place that I work for that day. Even if it might be inconvenient for me to go into the office for the sake of the other, perhaps for the sake of the the younger employee who can learn better and develop their skills quicker by having me present with them rather than on a screen far away, then then I'll do that, even if it's less convenient for me uh, than it is for them. Or, or, or in that old, that idea of, of sharing Jesus and wanting to uh, speak with colleagues about uh, the love that we know in Christ. Many Christians I know have found that hard um, in recent years as they've been working remotely and they don't have the incidental conversations that they did anymore. And so at the conference, we're going to share some great stories of people who've been very creative in uh, seeking to develop and deepen relationships for the sake of the gospel with with their colleagues. And again, in order to do that, that might come at a cost to ourselves, putting ourselves out there, creating opportunities to have deeper interactions with, with colleagues in order to be able to, to love them and share Jesus with them. And things becoming uncertain for some, and uh, sometimes that affects the way we even think about our own aspirations, uh, our careers, our families. And so because things are uncertain, we don't make our own solid plans based on the things as they look to us. How important is it here? And uh, let's just little a little spiritual here because uh, there's a song we play on the radio here and uh, it says, um, I don't know what the day may bring, but I know who brings the day. When you have a relationship, faith in God, that he's the one who has our future in his hands, how much of a difference does that make when we're facing the uncertainty that we might have for our careers and our workplace? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, Neil, that's a wonderful note to finish on. In fact, one of the key areas where I'll be looking to uh, go in in the conference, in the talks that I'll be giving there, and that is that there is great uncertainty about all of life. Uh, we've been talking about work today, but it's obviously true across the board. Um, but there's a lot of uncertainty around work at the moment too, uh, and these conversations are going to keep bubbling along for a little while still. And as for some people, uh, that can be uh, exciting uh, for other people, that can be daunting, um, thrown to the mix, as you were saying at the beginning, the, the economic challenges that many are facing, the prospect of more interest rate rises as this year progresses. And so what a wonderful thing it is that we can rest in the God who knows the past, the present and the future. Um, I draw great comfort from that as I look down the barrel of uncertainty in terms of um, what's work going to look like for me? Um, will I have work? Um, where might work take me? And if it takes me elsewhere, what might that mean for the people in my life? What a wonderful comfort it is uh, that we should be calling upon and, and drawing upon each and every day that we know the God of the universe who, who made the universe and who sustains it and who ultimately has our best at heart and will work all things for our good. It uh, doesn't mean the future won't be difficult, but that we can be sure that in the midst of that, he is with us in it and working it for our good. And so I'd, I'd want to encourage people to just keep clinging to that truth and reminding brothers and sisters in Christ of that truth, particularly uh, as we perhaps seek to navigate ongoing uncertainty. Well, you've strategically timed your Life at Work conference that's coming up on Saturday the 18th of February at the beginning of a working year and in a very significant year. We've been talking marriage and money in the conversation before us. Now we're talking what's happening at work in a very uncertain year, 2023. Uh, the cost of living increases, uh, mortgages, uh, there's finance uh, pressures pressures in our workplaces, there's estimates there could be 100,000 job losses with uh, the way that interest rates and mortgages are rising into the times to come. So strategically timed, the Life at Work Conference. Now, City Bible Forum, just a fabulous organisation. You've got, you've got uh, bases in capital cities all around Australia. I know you're encouraging people to be a part of this conference that's coming up, and they can do that on a live stream. You're even encouraging people to attend uh, hubs uh, for a watch party. Now, is this something you do individually? Could you take your whole workplace to a watch party and be do something like this? Would that be an advantage? Give us some insight here uh, about how you best get the you know the the real. How do you get the treasure out of the conference that's coming up? Yeah, look, Neil, like we've been talking about, the conference was also hybrid because of the last couple of years. Uh, it'll be live on that Saturday, but we want people to gather together with others ultimately because we think things are best done in fellowship and in community and relationship with others. And so really you can join the conference from wherever you are as long as you've got an internet connection. But we've got these hubs, as you mentioned, in five of the capital cities around Australia where you can go along and join with others or you can host your own watch party, whether it's in your home or a local church or some other space, wherever you like. And yeah, bring your whole workplace along if you like. If you've got a Christian group that gathers at work, get all together at someone's home and you can enjoy the day together with others. Because we think the best encouragement comes as we as we do this with one, with one another. 
Some might think it's dreary to go to a conference to talk about work <laughs> because, hey, we're, uh, we're wanting something exciting. But this might well be the best foundation you can lay for a tough year ahead. And so for listeners to think through that issue, let me give you the website, citybibleforum.org, and you'll be able to connect with Andrew Laird uh, citybibleforum.org and is there a special website at all for the uh, for the conference i think it's that is where you'll find the link isn't it andrew yeah if you if you head to that page it's the first thing you'll see on the screen currently life at work conference 2023 you'll find it citybibleforum.org and uh, andrew laird works with city bible forum and he also is National Manager of lifeatwork.org.au. And he's written a book called Under Pressure, How the Gospel Helps Us Handle the Pressures of Daily Work. Uh, keep an eye on that too when you're on the City Bible Forum website, or you might want to just Google that book and get a hold of it as well. Andrew Laird, time has run out, but I want to thank you so much for sharing your deep insights with us today around work and the future. I appreciate you being with us on 2020. It's always a pleasure. Thanks, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.